And tonight we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5.22, a very, very important. We're not going to stand and read this together because most of us know this. You probably heard me quoted 500 times, 100 times, 200 times. It's a very uh, well-known verse, and a verse that is packed, though so short, is packed with so much meaning. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.22, and I'm going to say it. If you know it, say it along with me. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Let's say it again together. First Thessalonians 5.22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And that is so important. And I love First Thessalonians 5, the last few verses here, especially 12 through 22. It usually has some very interesting single verse thoughts, right? Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. What that, does that mean? Uh, don't despise being taught the word of God. Uh, don't despise, don't sit in a service, cross your arms, say, this isn't for me. That's despising prophesying. But tonight we're going to be looking at, in the starting the series, we're going to be giving the bedrock, the biblical foundation for how we're to approach questionable things. And then we're going to deal with some questionable topics. So tonight's an introduction, and specifically, three questions we should ask when approaching something questionable. And these are Bible-based. The first one we're going to take out of our passage tonight, we're going to build a Bible foundation tonight. And that's the best kind of foundation to build, I believe, because we can have all kinds of foundations, the foundation of our personal opinion, the foundation of what's culturally acceptable, the foundation of what's politically acceptable, the foundation of what you name it, what's social media acceptable. I don't know. We can put all kinds of foundations well, I don't see a problem with that, preacher. Can I, the, really, that's not the question because you're not an authority. Amen. Because that's the whole issue of what today. Well, I don't see a problem with it. Well, you don't count because you're not an authority. It's really, is God okay with it? Does God see a problem with it? That's really the issue. Amen. And that's where we need to ask some questions and some Bible questions. And so what you're going to hear tonight is nothing new, nothing that I haven't preached before, maybe packaged a little bit differently. And uh, that's what I find. The longer I preach, I preach the same thing, just packaged a little differently, maybe polished a little better, and adding some thoughts along the way uh, that I hadn't really realized before. So we're going to build a step-by-step process to evaluate whether something is questionable or not. And really the answer is, is it pleasing to God or not? So tonight, so we're in 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. And that brings us to question number one. Question number one tonight. So please take notes, write this in the front fire leaf of your Bible, uh, because these three questions are going to be a part of every message hereafter, okay? Because we're going to ask these three questions in each, each one of these questionable topics that we're going to be looking at. Uh, Some of the things we're going to look at are like, duh, preacher, we know that's not wrong. We know that's wrong. Uh, We know that that's not right. Well, I'm sorry. There are some things that are plain as day and not okay in the Bible that people are like, well, 
you know, should we be so hard about this, okay? You know, uh, and I'm not going to be talking about nail polish color. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm going to be talking about some serious things here. You know, if you want to go debate nail polish color, go for it. Uh, but I'm not going to waste time from the pulpit with something like that. Some preachers do, and I think it's a sad thing. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but here's question number one taken from this verse. Each one of these questions is taken from a passage of Scripture. Uh, this passage here can this be interpreted as evil? Now, when it says here, and abstain from all appearance of evil, does it look wrong? Can someone look at what I'm doing? Can I look at this particular thing? And can I interpret it, or can someone else interpret what's going on here as something that is evil in the sight of God? You know what, if we think that way, that will really change a lot of things about what we do and how we view things. Uh, because motivation is everything, right? Isn't that what we're told? That is what we're told, and it doesn't matter how something looks. All that matters is that our motivation is pure and good. That sounds real good, but is it really true? Unfortunately, it isn't. Uh, yeah, we can have a great motivation, and we could have a pure motivation, but that can be that motivation doesn't really matter when that appearance is wrong and sinful. Uh, so right here, notice how our passage emphasizes something here. And what is that thing? It emphasizes appearance. It doesn't say that what you're doing is evil, but it looks like it is. That's the important thing. We're not talking about motivation here. We're just talking about the optics of how something looks. And when some people teach and preach, well, it doesn't matter how something looks because people ought to have the decency not to assume. I understand that, but can we understand something here about human nature? People will and people do. Amen. So what we have to be cognizant of, is this going to reflect on me in an evil light, but not only that, what is our ultimate motivation? We looked at the other week. We're ambassadors for Christ. Is this going to bring shame to the name of Christ? Is this what that's going to do? We have to ask that question. Yes, our motivation does matter. We can do the right things for the wrong reasons, can't we? We can do absolutely right, but we have a wrong reason behind it. We can do the wrong things for seemingly, quote unquote, right reasons. Right? I know it was wrong, but God knows my heart. Ever heard that one? Oh, I know it's wrong, but God knows my heart. God knows I had a right motivation. If it's something wrong, then it's wrong. In the eyes of God, if, it's, if he says it's wrong, it's wrong. Maybe you had all kinds of justification for the rightness of it. It's, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't worry, we'll unpack that one in a minute. Remember, who defines what is evil and good? We have to remember that. Because when we begin to say, well, I don't see a problem with that. I don't see an issue with that. Or we look at another authority. Well, they don't have a problem with that. My mom and dad don't have a problem with that. My kids don't have a problem with that. Hold on. All of those things don't matter. Because at the end of the day, it is God who defines good and evil and right and wrong. Numbers 15, 31. Because he hath despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall be utterly cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. 
was just talking about the breaking of God's law. Whenever God's law is broken, there's consequence for it. And it is God who set the rules. It is God who set the laws. That's it. Well, I don't like that. You don't have to like it. It's true and that's it. In the beginning, God, that's where his authority came from. And it is there because you know why? We're the creature. We're created. God is all powerful. God is all that God always has been. So God sets the rules. And because God is good, his rules are perfect. Bible says the law is holy. It's a good thing that it's there. It's not there to ruin our life. 1 John 3, 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. That's what sin is. And if what we're talking about, the appearance of evil, we're talking about sin here. So does this appear to cross the line into sin? Does it appear that way? Is that what the appearance is? It's not about how we feel or think about something. Because in Isaiah 520, because the world does not have the authority to define what is evil and good. In fact, they flip it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isn't that what we see going on today? Whether it be with gender, whether it's right and wrong and all these other things. You know, uh, just crazy what goes on in our country, you know. Um, You know, you have people you know, show up and they try, they try and demonstrate and want an honest vote in our country and all these things. In January 6th, people are in jail for two years, no representation. But of course, the pro-Palestinian uh, uh, demonstrators go into the Capitol and take over the Capitol today. You don't hear a word about it on the news, do you? Amazing how that happens. Because they call good evil and evil good. Oh, they have a right to do that. And even though these people are calling for the killing of God's chosen people. What's going on in our day and age? Well, exactly what we just read here. So I don't think the world's a good authority to tell you what's right and wrong to do as a Christian. Amen. They're not the right ones to do that, to tell you that. They're just going to say what is right is wrong and what's wrong is right. Well, I don't feel that way, but I don't think. Here it is. Here's a verse for you. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto you. Because you're going to have a problem. If you are leaning to your own understanding, there's a reason why God tells us not to do that. Because we are setting ourselves up for failure. Can I tell you something? God doesn't want you to fail. Amen. God doesn't want you to fail. God doesn't want you to get injured. God doesn't want you to fall off the deep end. He doesn't want that for you. And that's why he gives boundaries. And that's why we must ask this question. Can this be interpreted as evil? And we can apply this in every way. Whether it's, uh, and I know I talk a lot about it because that's what our, our culture is a lot about. Whether it be our entertainment choices, whether it be our music choices, whether it be our locations, or whatever it is. We must abstain from all appearance of evil. You know, uh, it doesn't matter that, well, if you're broken down on the side of the road, you know, before the day you had cell phones, your cell phone's dead, and the only place in the nearest mile is to go to the liquor shop or go to the smoke shop to go and make a phone call, but there's another gas station two miles down the road. Are you willing to walk the extra mile because you want someone seeing you go into the liquor store or the smoke shop to make a phone call? Because you don't want people to think that, oh, they go and do that. Well, the, and you know what the response is of a lot of people? Well, they shouldn't be thinking that about me. People will. That's how people are. Amen. You can't change how the human nature is. So are you willing to walk that extra mile to make sure your testimony is clean and pure? 
That's what this is talking about here. Does this appear? Your motivation's not wrong. It's not sinful to make a phone call, is it? But where you go and do it is important because of your testimony for Christ. This happened a few years ago. I was getting a rental truck and uh, in Copper's Cove, and I was picking up. A, it was a trailer or something. I was picking it up. And so I go to the office, and I said, go and knock on the door right here. And uh, the door, office is closed, and it has a little sign. that said, go next door to the liquor shop to pick up your trailer. I'm like, oh, no. And so I went in. I, like, went, like, halfway in the door. I'm like, hello. <laughs> and there was, like, oh, you got to come in. I, like, went inside, signed it, came out again. I was so uncomfortable. I vowed, you know what, next time I'm just never going to, I'm not going to run from this place ever again. Just not going to do it. Why? Because it was, it should, by the way, being in a sinful place should make you uncomfortable. Amen. It should make you uncomfortable. Do you know that as your pastor, I don't walk down the liquor aisle in any store in this place? I intentionally will walk around it because I don't want ever one of my church members or anybody to ever see me. Well, that preacher, he's walking down the liquor aisle. Why is he walking down there? I walk around it on purpose. I teach my children to walk around it. Why? I don't want it to appear wrong. Well, you're just walking to the other side of the store. I know, but I, don't, I, I care about my testimony for Christ. And we should as well. Can this be interpreted as evil? Bring us to question number two. So we're in Philippians chapter 4. Turn over there. Philippians chapter 4. So here's another passage. And a passage that we know very well. These are all familiar passages that we're looking at. Philippians 4, verse 8. Uh, we use this, we can use this as our thought filter, right? Amen. Uh, the how, what we're to think on, what, but really also it just gives a criteria of what is acceptable to God. Uh, that should be something we're interested in. So question number two, what is this associated with? Right, what is this associated with? What is this activity or where is this location? What is this associated with? Now, I'll, be, I'll warn you about this one. You can go a little off the deep end with this one, okay? Because this is where people get weird things about Christmas and different things like that, okay? You can kind of go off the deep end on this one. But unfortunately, it is something that we need to consider, amen? Especially, hey, it's Halloween time, right? We got to be careful what we use in celebration of harvest time. We're not celebrating Halloween. But there are some things that are associated with Halloween that we should stay away from that are associated with pagan worship. We have to be careful about that. But what is this associated with? This is a valid question, and it applies to most situations. Is something, if something is contaminated with worldliness, then we need to heed the warnings. But God gives us an association test. In Philippians chapter 4, and verse number 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So here's the question. Is this activity associated with, here's the criteria, is it associated with truth? We're talking about God's truth here. You know, is, there are certain things that we can associate with, uh, whether it be our entertainment or our music. They preach truth, but it's not God's truth. Well, you got to be careful with that because music has a message to it, doesn't it? We got to be careful. Is this communicate the truth of God? Is it associated with honesty? Is it associated with the ju- with justice and God's justice? Is it uh, associated with purity, holiness? What sort of things are pure, holy, 
This is our theme this year. Be holy for I am holy. Amen. And so is this something that's pure or is it, ah, it's been tainted some. Is it something that's associated with Christ's love in that it will lead me to be able to show Christ's love or is it an activity that will quench my love for Christ? Is it something that's associated with a good testimony when things are of good report? Is it something that's associated with virtue, good character? If there be any praise, is it associated with praise to God? Is it associated with that? Is it going to be praiseworthy? If God looks on this, is he going to be able to praise me for this? Man, you know, if we look at this, I mean, this it, this doesn't get kind of down deep, doesn't it? Because we do a lot of things without even really thinking a whole lot about it. We do a lot of things, we involve ourselves in things, and we just don't even think twice about it. The purpose of these messages is maybe we need to think, need to think twice about some things and make sure that we're doing things that are acceptable in the eyes of God. You know, there's a lot, those are a lot of gates, right? We just went through a lot there. But if we look at it, that applies to every possible situation we face. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it pure? We must train ourselves to seek God in this way. And if you're not used to thinking this way, it takes some training to do that, to think about it. You know, uh, whatever we do, whatever we associate with, where we go. Now, the purpose of this is not to sit there. Okay, we got before we make a decision, we got to sit there and stress and go through every single permutation possible to think about, well, is is God, am I going to get a lightning bolt from God? That's not the purpose of this. But to help us get some thoughts in our mind, you know, have you ever pulled up to a place, going to a restaurant, and uh, this has happened to my wife and I several times, you know, we're going out for anniversary, we're going to a restaurant that we're not familiar with, and we pull up, and it's more bar than restaurant. We're like, yeah, well, sorry, honey, we're going to find someplace else. I'm so glad I married a wife that says, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, we had a reservation. Yeah, it was going to be our anniversary dinner. I think it only happened once. And uh, it happened, it's happened other times. We walk, we pull up with the family. We're not familiar with the restaurant. I'm like, oh, well, it's more, it's, uh, it's more bar than restaurant or just the, the, the decor. Ever been in those restaurants? Like the decor just off color a little bit. And, or the music's raunchy. It's not necessarily a bar, but the music's really bad. And you're in there. It's like, you know what? We're just, I've walked in a couple of places. I think it was a Red Robin one time, walked in there. And I was like, I, we shouldn't be here. You know, if you feel uncomfortable in the place, you should leave. Amen. Don't worry about other people. You know what? Is if you, well, if I'm meeting friends or a group, say, like, hey, you know what? I'm just been, just to be honest with them. Well, I don't want to seem like a holy roller, you know. I don't want to seem like the holier than thou. Let's pause for a moment. Let's pause for a moment. Yes, should we have a proud, arrogant spirit about us? No. But you know what? It's not wrong to be thought of as holy before the Lord. That's not a bad thing. It is in our society. It is. And it's like, well, and well, we go here all the time. Well, that's fine. That's their choice. But you're talking about your personal conscience and your personal relationship with God and your personal testimony for Christ should not be subservient to your friend's feelings. Amen. Well, we're going to this place. Well, I don't really like going to this place. And tell them, how about we go? suggest somewhere else to go? 
right? And that, uh, that this is going to happen to you, that you're hanging out with friends or maybe with a business associate and, you know, you're sitting there for lunch and uh, maybe this happens and you're out as soldiers sometimes, you know, you get together and you're there and then someone, someone does the unthinkable, they order the glass of wine, right? Or they order the glass of beer. And you know what? One time my sister did that and I'm like, I don't do that. And you know that. So if you, how about you put that away or I'm leaving? She's like, oh, I forgot. Didn't even think about it. And she was respectful and got some water. That happened one time, long time ago. But guess what? Ever since then, guess what? She ne- never does. When we go out to eat, she never does that. I might have said you know, you know better than that. But anyway, uh, you know, but at the same time, we got to be nice about things. But we need to stand up for what's right in the eyes of God. And we need to just, yes, and it's hard when it's your family. Oh, it's hard. It's hard when it's your siblings. It's hard when those things go on. But we need to be willing to stand up and say, you know what, my relationship with God's more important than that. Question number three. Question number three, we'll go through this quickly. Am I confident this pleases God? And this is a big one. This is a big one. This is where a lot of the things that we deal with, they meet in this place. The second we can go through, maybe we're trying to go through, we're just really not sure. We have to go through the gates. But there is something here. When the Lord doesn't give us confidence, we've been talking about conscience here, and this is exactly what's being talked about here. Turn to Romans 14. Romans 14. I love Romans 14. You know why? It deals with a matter of conscience. Uh, And there are things. This deals with things. Now, specifically, this dealt with... um, Meat that had been sacrificed to idols, that in its butchering and its preparation had been offered to idols and to pagan gods. Now, there were some that didn't grow up in that, and they knew it was just meat. You know, there was no mystical power to the meat, just meat. And like, we're good with it. We don't care, you know. If, if we do that, you know, it doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother our conscience. However, there were those there at the church at Rome that they had been saved out of that paganism. Some of them had been temple prostitutes and different ones. They had been involved in the worship of these pagan deities. And this was something that they wanted nothing to do with. And it's something that violated their conscience. And then also it's something that tempted them to go back to paganism. So this was nothing wrong. And unfortunately, a lot of Christian, I'll say Christian people apply this to drinking socially. And I was like, well, it's not really wrong, but you shouldn't do it if it's going to cause your alcoholic friend to fall off the wagon. Okay, you shouldn't. I'm sorry, that's not what's being spoken about here. This is the association. What ended up coming out of this is that Christians are commanded in the New Testament not to eat meat offered to idols. For specifically this reason, because this was a controversy that took place. Now, verses 22 and 23, the end of chapter Romans 14 say this, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself on that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatever is not of faith is what? Sin. So what is going on here? If you're doing something against the conscience that God gave you, you're sinning. And that you're not convinced about it. If it's something that's bothering you, and I understand some of, some of us, our consciences are a little bit more sensitive than others. Can I tell you something? I have a very sensitive conscience. Ask my wife. 
as I, I'm, I'm bothered by this. Like, well, you really shouldn't be bothered by it. Uh, but I am, you know, uh, about certain things. I can be very easily bothered by some things. And I want to make sure I'm not doing something wrong in the eyes of God. You know, Brother Starr said I sometimes have an overactive conscience sometimes. But at the same time, I want to be careful that I have a good testimony to be careful of these things. I know sometimes I need to lighten up a little bit. But at the same time, what is the instruction here? If someone has their conscience violated by an activity or doing something, you know what you're supposed to do as your Christian brother or sister in Christ? You're supposed to prefer the one who has their conscience bothered. And he's saying, don't eat the meat if it's bothering somebody else. If it's going to cause them to stumble. Let's look here, Romans 14. So if you're there, let's look here, verse number 12 first. Verse number 12. So then that everyone, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Okay, so we're all going to give account for how we acted in regards to our brother or sister in Christ when it comes to our conscience. Let's go down to verse number 14. So here's the, here's the criteria. Don't do it if, the first one is, verse 14, it violates your conscience. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. What he's talking about, if he shouldn't need it, he shouldn't do it, if he believes that and his conscience is spit and he shouldn't do it, is that activity necessarily wrong? No, it's not wrong because Paul said, it's fine with me. It doesn't bother me. But to the person that's bothered, they shouldn't just sit there and try and override their conscience and override the conviction they have because not everybody's the same. Not everybody has the same background. These people have different backgrounds religiously. There might be a reason why their conscience is bothered. It might be a gate that God has given them for a specific reason. So if if that's going on, don't do it. Don't partake. Don't go forward. To him it is unclean, meaning he's going to stay away from it. So if it violates your, don't do it if it violates your conscience. If you're going to have the uneasy, queasy feeling in your stomach and you're going to have that, the, the butterflies or something, that anxiety, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I don't know if we should be doing this. I don't know if we should be going there, you know, and those type of things. Can I just say this? One of those things that come, not everybody's going to have it, but I have, I have a problem going to Six Flags because of all the evil demonic stuff that's there. I have a problem going there. Now, if other people go, that's fine if you want to go. But I have a problem going there and spending 60 bucks a ticket to go. And, and my, my, I'm cheap. But at the same time, I have a problem going there and supporting all the demonic stuff. That's all everywhere. And I have to cover my kids' eyes for all kinds of demonic, evil things. And so that bothers my conscience. So I don't go. If other people go, it doesn't bother them. That's fine. There's nothing in the Bible that says it's wrong, but at the same time, it violates my conscience, so I don't go. That's always fun when family comes to visit, right? And sometimes you have to take those kinds of stands, and I I can't do it. Now, verse 15, don't do it if it violates someone else's conscience. Verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Verse 21, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. 
Say, so if you're gonna, what you're gonna do is gonna cause an offense in someone else's life, whether it be a spouse or it be a child or it be a friend or it simply be someone in the church, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If someone speaks up and says, I don't think we should do that, and you know what, instead of saying, well, I have my liberty, I can do what I want. I'm sorry, that's not what Christ died on the cross for us to do. Instead, what are we to do? We're to prefer one another in love, right? And we're to say, you know what? I am so sorry that offended your conscience. I don't want to do that. So let's change the plan. Let's change the menu. Let's change the activity. Let's change that. We don't want anyone to be offended. At different times, I've had people come up and they say, you know, that decoration, uh, whether usually it's this time of year, said that one, it bothers me. That offends me. Guess what happened to that decoration? It disappeared. Because it's not worth someone not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm sorry, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt have certain things in the auditorium for decorations and fall time. Brian knows we don't have pumpkins up here. We don't, do we? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm a guy. I don't know those things all the time. We don't have some of those things. You know why? Because certain people are offended by those things. That's okay. You know what? I, we just need to prefer our brothers and sisters in Christ. That bothers them. Well, why would that bother them? Well, maybe they might have an occultic background. You don't know. And maybe that thing had a certain connotation. And you look at it, jack-o'-lanterns and different things, they do have demonic roots in them. And maybe we shouldn't be associated with those things. People have overactive conscience. Well, God gave it to them. Let God deal with them about it. Instead, we should prefer our brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't do it if it violates your conscience, if it violates the conscience of someone else. And don't do it if, here it is, you think more of that activity or item than God's kingdom. Verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Remember we talked about that appearance of evil? Well, it was a good thing, but it's not being well spoken of now. Why? Because of its appearance. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what is it? And peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. What is it? Your activity, your meat, your drink isn't worth it to violate the conscience of somebody else. That kind of takes away the argument. I have a right doesn't it? It takes that argument away. Well, I have a right. I have soul liberty. I have the liberty in Christ. Yes, you have liberty to not offend your brother and sister in Christ. You need to be careful. Verse 18, for he that is in the, for the, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Remember who you're serving. Do things to honor Christ and serve the Lord, not to serve yourself. Because if we're serving Christ, remember this, the conscience that God gave to that individual, he gave to them for a reason. Because that person doesn't have the same weaknesses you do. They don't have the same struggles that you do. We're all different. And remember, conscience is a God-given thing. We're told to kill conscience in our society today. Conscience is something that's God-given. I'm sorry, the Bible talks a lot about how sin, that people, they have what? They have seared their conscience with a hot iron to where basically sin doesn't bother them anymore. Oh, that we would not have a calloused conscience toward others and towards God. 
And here it is, verse number 19. Let's look down there. If it violates your conscience, don't do it. If it violates someone else's conscience, don't do it. If you think more of that activity or item than God's kingdom, don't do it. And then last one here is it will, if it will cause conflict with others, don't do it. Verses 19 and 20. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For me, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with, here it is, offense. Evil, well, last time I checked, evil sin, isn't it? So they are saying, this violates conscience. I'm not going to partake. You shouldn't. And what was going on is that there was a group saying, we're okay with it. And there's a group saying, we're not okay with it. So guess what? What happens when someone's on opposite sides of an issue? Conflict is going to happen. Well, if we're going to have, and this was talking about things that were going on inside the church. So let's put this for example. Okay, we're having a wonderful church fellowship over in Harvey Hall, right? And someone just went to the meat section, didn't think much of about it. And then they picked up some halal meat from the market. If you don't know what halal meat is, it is meat that is sacrificed in, uh, it, is, it is butchered in the name of Allah for Muslims. And so this was the type of meat, just like kosher meat for Jews. They don't, uh, they prepare it in a certain way for dietary restrictions, but the Muslims, they do it, they literally, as they cut the throat of the cow or the chicken or whatever, they say a prayer in the name of Allah as they do it, and they do it as in sacrifice to Allah. Now, we know this, Allah is not the God of the Bible. Allah is a false God. He is not the God of the Bible, and some people are going to debate you on that. I'm sorry, Allah is not my God. I'm sorry, he's not. He is a God of hate and a God of division, and we see that this is something that you would consider most Americans, that's not going to be a problem. Like, it's me, okay? They're sacrificing to a false god, not going to bother anybody. However, let's just say, for example, that we had, some, had a family or two in the church, you know, and they got saved out of Islam, all right? And then they're going uh, and they're bringing in food, and one of the ladies happens to look in the trash can and they see the packaging for this halal meat and they stop dead in their tracks and they go and they'll come to me or they come to my wife and said that there's some halal meat here you don't understand you know we can't eat this because it's given in the name of Allah we don't name the name of Allah anymore we name the name of Jehovah God by the way this has happened and not here but in other places this has happened and we look at they look at it and they said we can't eat that what whose dish who brought this and you know what we have a decision to make at that point to go and find out whose dish it is and point it out to them so they don't eat it or we can say well really you just need to get over it because we're Americans and we're Baptists and we love our food and you Muslim people just need to get over oh stop worrying about your conscience it's fine you have an overactive conscience anyway which would be the fleshly thing to do instead of taking that person and understanding hey that offends them that is afflicting their conscience. You say, we're no longer named the name of Allah, but we name the name of Jehovah God and Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So what do we do? If, is that going to cause conflict? Absolutely. Is it going to violate their conscience? Absolutely. So don't do it. Wow, there's power in these truths. To prefer others above ourselves and to prefer the name of Christ above ourselves. Always defer to your conscience and the conscience of other people. 
Never force someone to violate their conscience. That is selfish and unloving. It is self-serving to try and make someone else violate their conscience. Had several times, several employers at different times try to get me to do things that violated my conscience of ethics and honesty and of keeping the law. I said, I won't do it. And there are some people I've said, well, who told you to do that? Well, one of them was a pastor. And you know what two people have told me? Well, you just should have done what he said because it would have been on his head. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Bible just said in Romans 14, what did it just say? We all, not just the pastor, we all shall give account to God. And that's exactly, my dad makes sure he drill that into me. Don't ever do anything that somebody tells you to do that violates your conscience. He drilled that into me. Don't do anything. You know why? Because you'll stand before God one day why you didn't make the right choice. Why you didn't stand up for him. We all will give account of verse 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And that pastor will give account of himself for asking me to violate my conscience. But if I had gone along with it, you know, he said, oh, well, you'll just be in trouble. You know, if the police stop you, you know, or something, you know, just let them know I sent you. Oh, great. Baptist preacher in town. Get me off the hook, right? Yeah, that sounds great. We tell people not to go go and sin no more, right? But hey, it'll get us off. I'm the police chaplain. Ah. <sighs> Don't do it. So do we have a plan in conclusion tonight? Do we have a plan to approach questionable things? I hope you do. We need to have that plan. What are we going to do? What are we going to going to ask these questions? To evaluate, to work through it, to pray about it. Pray over these things. Pray over these questions. These are Bible verses. Say, God, is this something I don't really know? Because there's going to be times that things that are questionable, uh, whether it be with your kids or things that are going to come up that you're going to have to make decisions with your kids or activities you're going to be involved with or friends or family are going to come into town and like, hey, we're going to go here, you know, and we're going to do this. We're going to have this activity. You know, you're going to have to make those decisions. And sometimes it's not so clear. Some things are just clear. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Other things like, well, I don't see anything wrong with it, but I'm bothered for some reason. Whenever you're bothered for some reason, stop and evaluate why you're bothered because it just might be God. It might just be the Holy Spirit. It might not be just the activity. It might be the timing of something. It might be something entirely unrelated to the activity itself. You need to evaluate and ask some questions. God, is this questionable? I don't want to do anything that's questionable to my Lord and questionable to the name of Christ. Questionable. A great rule of thumb is, Whatever activity we're doing, whatever music we're listening to, whatever video, movie, video game, whatever we're watching, whatever we're tapping on on our phone, if Jesus appeared before us and we had to show him what was on our phone that we would be ashamed of, like, oh, I'd be ashamed of that. Here's a hint. God already knows because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He already sees it. Ouch. Because many times we don't live with the reality that the Holy Spirit is with us every moment of the day. He sees our thoughts and knows our thoughts. He sees what we do and hears what we say. Oh, that be, should be convicting to us. Do we stop and question questionable things? And which judgment point are we using? Are we using our own frame of reference or are we using the word of God? 
infallible, unchanging, unapologetic? These are all questions that we must answer in our own minds. Each individual person here today, you must answer that in your own mind. Children, your parents help you with those things, but one day you'll be the one making those decisions. You better know how to make those decisions. Well, mom and dad didn't tell me no, so I guess it's okay. Oh, the famous last words of a lot of young people. Well, mom and dad didn't tell me that I couldn't do it, so I guess it's fine. Guess what? Mom and dad are there to guide and protect, but one day you're going to be a man or a woman, and you're going to have to make those calls for yourself. You're not going to have mom and dad there to tell you no. Joseph didn't have mom and dad there to tell him no to Potiphar's wife. Daniel didn't have mom and dad there telling him to say no to the king's meat. Didn't have mom and dad there to tell him, oh, you need to pray three times a day. Keep praying, Daniel, even though the king said not to. You need to disobey the king and pray to God. He didn't have his parents there to tell him that. Daniel was an old man when that happened. He'd made that decision a long time ago. I'm not going to do anything questionable for my God. And here it is. While these things aren't a big deal, Joseph's in the Bible because of what he did. Amen. And that, that's eternal, all of eternity. We're going to know what Joseph did for God. We're going to know all for all of eternity what Daniel did for God and what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did for God. We're going to know. They wouldn't bow down and give a little fake thing. Give a little, they wouldn't bow down to the king's thing and even pretend. Well, we're not really going to pray. We're just going to look like so we just stay under, fly under the radar. I'm sorry, God doesn't honor those that fly under the radar. God honors those that say and say, "No, if I die, we if we die, you know." So we're not careful to answer you in this matter, O King. We're not going to hold back because you're going to kill us anyway. So we're just going to tell you what's going on. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to worship. We're not going to do it. And it doesn't matter if we die, so be it. But if our God delivers us, I wonder, and if our God delivers us, he's going to come get you. No, but if God, our God delivers us, so be it. But if we die, we die. Just like Queen Esther, if I perish, I perish. Doesn't matter what others are saying or doing. I must do right. Because isn't that what the kingdom of heaven is? Right here, it's more than meat. What does it say here, Romans 14, verse 17? For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Doing right. And I can re-preach the whole passage again, but I won't. So tonight, let's question questionable things. Say, you know what, I need to ask some serious questions. So too many times we make decisions so quick and so we don't think about it. We need to think about these things and pray about it. Say, Lord, what would you have me to do according to your word? Let's pray. Dearly Father, I thank you, Lord, for tonight. I pray that you will bless us as we come to invitation before we pray tonight. Oh, Lord, that we would question questionable things. That we would say in our heart and our mind, Lord, when you knock and when we're sensitive to you, but Lord, if we're so far away, we're not even sensitive Our conscience is insensitive tonight because we've strayed away, Lord. I pray we get back and we beg for that conscience pricking back and that leading of thy spirit that we'd ask for back, that we beg for it. For, Lord, it is our guiding light that keeps us on the path, that keeps us from the devil's snares. Lord, I pray tonight we would have that confidence.
and knowing what you would have us do. And we're standing on solid ground. We know that we're pleasing you in all that we do. I pray, Lord, that you would guide us in the way. Help us to see. Help us to ask those questions, Lord. And maybe we haven't been. Maybe we didn't know the questions to ask. We thank you, Lord, for those of us that maybe have been learning new things, new questions. We didn't even know we needed to ask these questions. What a wonderful thing to learn new things. I pray that we would apply them tonight. Whatever the case may be, Lord, speak to hearts. Speak to us, Lord. Show us. Help us, Lord, to live according as you would have us live, not to our own wisdom. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen.